In the book of Psalms, chapter 5, there's an, a massive, massive amount of, of, of great things there. But one thing I want to show you is about a shout, a joyful shout. Because in the joyful shout, there's freedom, there's joy, and there's healing. In Psalms, chapter 5, we see this psalmist, his name is David, and he's, he's talking to God. He's in the midst of trouble. And he says, give ear to my words, O Lord. Give heed to my voice of my cry, my King and my God. For to you I will pray. My voice you shall hear it in the morning, O Lord. In the morning I will direct it to you and I will look up. For you are not a God who takes pleasure in wickedness, nor shall evil dwell among you. Verse 11 says, but let all those who rejoice put their trust in you. Let them ever shout for joy because you have defended them. Let those who love your name be joyful in you. That's what we were doing in the front part of the service. We were being joyful in God. For you, O Lord, will bless the righteous, and with favor you will surround him as with a shield. I want to talk to you this morning about a joyful shout a joyful shout. Father, thank you today for your word. It's a lamp and it's a light. Let everything that Joey says fall to the ground and every word that comes forth from you change us forever, forever be changed because we've been in your presence. In Jesus' mighty name and all God's men and women said, amen. Now turn to your neighbor and say you're good looking and go ahead and sit down. Turn to the other neighbor and say you've lost weight. <laughs> And you're good looking. Let's, let's, let's make it all work. I want, I want to thank you again for coming. Thank you for partnering with us at Oasis Church. Thank you for believing in us and what we do in our community with Lord's Gym City Center. All we do with Oasis Cares, you're going to hear more about that as we launch a six-day-a-week initiative to bombard the city with hope every single day. We do it now, but we're going to even do it in, in double trouble coming the first of the year. But I want you to think about something this morning. I want you to think about what you're lacking. What is it that you're lacking? Because in life, you're not born to lose, but you have to be a person that chooses. You have to choose what you become. Because so often we, we look at what we don't have, we look at what we're lacking, we look at what we didn't get growing up, what our mom didn't give us, our daddy didn't give us, and we, we focus on what our losses are instead of what we have gained and who we are. And I think that's important because the Bible says in his presence, meaning God's presence, there's fullness of something. And that fullness is called joy. In God's presence, there's the fullness of joy. Many times when you get around the holiday season, some people go to the dinner table and they get filled up with food. This area right here gets hungry, and so you start eating, especially when they're bringing all the food to the table. You begin to eat, and then all of a sudden, that area down here gets full. And then you're reflecting because you're full. You're no longer eating. You're reflecting on what you just have eaten, and, and it's a time of reflection. So many people, they do the same in life. They, they eat on negative things. They eat on discouragement. They eat on depression. They eat on what they lack. They eat on the things that they don't have. And then they become full, but it's full of the wrong things. And they're reflecting on the wrong things. The Bible says a joyful heart, it does good like a medicine. It's called laughter. When you're laughing and joyful, there's an enzyme released in the brain that starts to fight all deadly diseases in your body. Long before medical science talked about healing and joy, God's word says the joy of the Lord is our strength. I do not know what you're walking through today, but I do know you won't get through life sucking on a Maalox bottle and whining about everything that's happened to you. You'll get through 
through it with the joy of the Lord that will be your strength. Because joy does something. Because you can get filled with the wrong things, but when you get filled with the good stuff, it starts to come out of you, and it starts to build strength. It, it starts to build in you, because the Hebrew word for joy is life force. That's why the Bible says, in his presence, there's the fullness of joy. In God's presence, he wants to fill you up with the right stuff. Too many people, they get filled up with the wrong stuff. That's why the joy of the Lord can heal you physically. That's why laughter doeth good like a medicine. When's the last time you just had a good old-fashioned laugh, a good old-fashioned belly laugh? I laugh all the time. I laugh at you. I laugh at others. I laugh all the time. I have to because if not, life will beat you down. Life will tell you what you don't have. Life will tell you everything that's gone wrong is going to go wrong and the things that's going to continue to go wrong. But I believe that joy can heal you physically. I really believe that because I want you to know if it's God's joy equals our strength, then we can have healing in our body But because joy can conquer depression. We often think of depression as being something that we can't fully get rid of. Many of you at the sound of my voice and watching by the way of the internet, you're bound with demonic oppression and you're battling depression. And that's where the joy of the Lord can come in and conquer depression. Because if I was to ask the question this morning, how many of you have gotten depressed a time or two? All of us would raise their hand because everybody gets depressed at some time. Often when you say things like that, people think, oh, man, Joey, only, only people that get depressed are people who aren't doing good in God. That's not true. Moses was depressed. Moses was the guy that was face to face with God for 40 days. God gives him the Ten Commandments. He comes down off the mountain. He's been with God in God's presence. And he comes down off the mountain. And guess what happened? The congregation had elected a new pastor. They had a new theology, the golden calf theology. He got so depressed, he got so discouraged, he threw down the Ten Commandments out of a fit of rage. He was depressed. Job was depressed. Do you know that Job in the Bible tells us he told God, curse the day I was born. Why wasn't I born dead? How many of you all see depression in that statement? You say, well, Joey, that's just people in the Bible days. That's just, that's just people in Bible times. How about Abraham Lincoln? How many ever heard of him? He was one of the greatest presidents of our day. He wrote the Emancipation Proclamation that, that literally slavery was forever defeated because of this man, Abraham Lincoln, and what he did in our country. And Abraham Lincoln, historians tell us that he suffered deep depression most of the days of his life. How many of you ever heard of Winston Churchill? Winston Churchill was the Lion of London. Winston Churchill was the man that told us about the bulldog, that he loved the bulldog because the bulldog could, has the sloped back nose so he can bite and breathe at the same time and not let go. And Winston Churchill was a lion when it came to fighting the axis of evil. If you study out history, 81 years ago, there's a significant situation that's happening tonight. 81 years ago is literally the day that Kristallnacht happened. You say, well, what's that, Joey? That's the days the Nazi regime went into Germany and they literally had horror and hell for the weekend. They, they blew up buildings. They set afire synagogues. They burned homes. They burned churches. They burned anybody that was Jewish. And Kristallnacht, the night of broken glass, happened. And Winston Churchill, he fought against the axis of evil. He fought against that demonic anti-Semitism. But yet we read in his biography where he says, quote, depression follows me like a black dog day and night, end of quote. So who gets depressed? 
Everybody gets depressed a time or two. How about a man named Elijah? Elijah was a great prophet of God. Elijah literally called fire down from heaven. Elijah, he ran 40 miles in front of the king's chariot. That's pretty impressive. I thought about running a mile the other day. I had to sit down till the feeling left me. He's running 40 miles in front of the king's chariot, and then something happened that didn't go his way, and he literally tells God, take my life. I'm the last one left living for you. The man that calls fire down from heaven, the man that is God's anointed, everybody gets depressed. All of us would raise our hand and say, yes, Joey, I battle discouragement. I battle depression. All of us get depressed. But here's the question I want to ask. Who stays depressed? And the answer is those who choose to. The Bible says, let no man take your joy from you. Let no man take your joy from you. Therefore, you know you have sorrow, but you will see me again and your heart will rejoice and the joy and your joy no one will take from you. That means God says the only person that should take your joy is Jesus. If you know Jesus, you'll have joy. And Jesus is never going to take your joy because in his presence, there's fullness of joy. Can I get a witness this morning? So the answer, who gets depressed, the question I should say, who gets depressed, the answer is everybody. Who stays depressed? Those who choose to. Let no man take your joy from me. How many of you know today other people will take your joy from you in a hurry if you let them? How many of you know you can take your joy from yourself? I often hear people say, Joey, man, I can't be joyful. I've done too many bad things. I was raised wrong. I don't have this going on. I didn't have this growing up. And Joey, I, I don't have any joy because I just didn't get these ting, things happening in my life. Here's, here's the situation. Because you choose what you become. You choose to be a whiny hiney or you choose to be victorious. You can choose to be a person of faith, hope, and victory or you can choose to be a person that's a down and outer and nothing more than an old whiny hiney looking for a place to land. You see, you decide what you become. You make the decision each and every day how you're going to live. You make it today by coming to the house of the God. You started the, the week off right. This is the first day of the week. In God's house, this is how, uh, how we start the week off. In, in, or excuse me, we start the week off in God's house. So in other words, we're making a decision to choose joy. To choose, to choose joy over our circumstances. I want you to hear this quote from a psychologist. This guy was the, one of the greatest psychologists who ever lived. He was a Christian, by the way. I remember this quote. I've known it in my spirit. I've memorized it. I heard it 20 years ago, and I've never forgot it. And here's what he said. This man was a Christian, but a Christian psychologist. He said, quote, unless an individual is willing to face the fact that their mental attitude toward the circumstances is causing their unhappiness, then their depression is uncurable, end of quote. That means you have to take responsibility for your life. You have to take responsibility for your choices because a choice is a decision that you make. It's a decision that you make to reject self-pity. It's a decision you make to say, man, it doesn't matter how I was raised. I was raised in the ghetto in North Highlands in Del Paso Heights. 
I was put out on my own at 11. I could play a victim card really well. I could have you knowing my life story in about five minutes, and all of you, if you had a heart, would start to cry because of the pain, because of the abuse, because of the abandonment. I know what it's like to be incarcerated as a youth, to have no mom, no dad, to have no upbringing. I know what it's like to be put out in the continuation school, to be put out in YA and juvenile hall. I know all that stuff. But what do I say that for? Because I choose not to dwell on those things. I choose not to dwell on what I didn't get, my upbringing that I didn't have. A father that was never there for me. A mother that was abandoning me because she was too sick to take care of us. What's my point? I've chose to, 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 to look upon what's good. And you know, all those things that was meant to take me out, all those things that was meant to set me up for prison or, or, or perhaps even in an early grave, God used it as a setup. He used it as a setup because he said, Joey, not only are you going to make it and be an overcomer, but you're going to build a facility called the Lord's Gym. You're going to build facilities that are going to go on, apartment buildings for women and children, different churches you're going to start, and you're going to be able to do things that other people cannot do, not because of what you didn't have, but because of what I put in you. The things that I put in you are greater than the things that you didn't get. You see, the things that God put in you, if you would start focusing on them, they will be greater than the things you didn't get can somebody help me preach this today I'm just saying you've got to choose it you've got to choose to make to make priorities and you got to choose what you're going to become let nobody take your joy from you do you know that includes you taking your joy from yourself we can talk ourselves out of miracles we can talk ourselves out of serving God we can talk ourselves out of receiving God's best. Joey, you don't understand. I was raised in church, and I've tried religion. You know what? And religion has failed me good. It needs to fail you again. Religion should fail you every single day, all day, er day. Religion should fail you. Religion should let you go, kick you out, and then talk about you as you left. That's what religion needs to do. But a relationship with Jesus will never let you down. It'll never let you down. And here's why. Because Jesus is the source of our joy. Jesus is the source. He's the source of our joy. He's the source of our hope. He's the source of our health, strength, prosperity. He's the source of all things that good that come my way. I may have come through my mother's womb, through my father and my mother getting together over a, a little bit of wah, wah, wah. But even though they had me, even though I came from them I, or through them, I came from Almighty God. And I came from him. And God says, because of me, I can now have joy. You see, there's a world of difference because Jesus is the source of all joy. When you know Jesus, you'll know joy. You know religion, you'll know, I don't want any of that religion stuff. Good, you shouldn't want any of that stuff. But you should know Jesus so you can know joy. And when you know Jesus, what happens is your circumstances no longer affect you. You've got joy in your heart. And when you have joy in your heart, you can overcome all things because you're a believer. If you know Jesus, you know joy. You know when Jesus was born? In the Hebrew culture, he was born in the Feast of Tabernacles. They called the Feast of Tabernacles the Feast of Joy. It was the Feast of Joy that Jesus was born. That's why the angels sang on that first Christmas morning, Behold, I bring you good tidings of great 
joy that shall be upon all people. It was Jesus who gave us three cheers. He didn't give it from the tavern, slugging back some liquor. He gave it from the tabernacle. And he said, be of good cheer, I've overcame the world. Be of good cheer, thy sins are forgiven. Be of good cheer, it is I, do not be afraid. I want you to understand the gospel begins with a song and it ends with a song. Jesus gives us a joy. He gives us a peace that we've never known before. When you get that, your life is forever changed. Can anybody witness to Jesus today changing them? You say, you sound like a fanatic. Oh, you are just a fanatic. You guys are nuts. Yeah, we are nuts, but we're screwed on the right bolt. And I think that's important because that's what they're saying about Kanye. They're saying the same thing about him. Now they have the religious community saying, oh, Kanye's crazy. I, I, I think Jesus is, is king is a good way to be cray-cray. I think when you're talking about church on, you know, uh, closed on Sunday, you my Chick-fil-A. I think that's a good thing. I think it's a good thing. What's the point? He found Jesus. We should be celebrating it and congratulating it. Not going, ah, let's see how it lasts. Yeah, we pray it keeps lasting. Because I think there's something so important about joy. It's contagious. Joy is not taught. Joy is caught. The Bible says, in thy presence, there's the fullness of joy. In God's presence, there's the fullness of joy. You know, joy is not taught. I can't teach seven Sunday messages on how to have joy. If you come around me long enough, you go to the city center and I'm there, guess what happens? Contagious. I'm contagious with joy. I'm contagious with hope. If you go out to dinner with me and I see you there, I'm paying for your meal. Don't follow me after service. But I am a person... That, that blesses people, ignites hope in people. Why? Because I spread hope. I spread joy everywhere I go. But you know what's funny? That a lot of people, they come to church, but they, they're, they're taught something, but they haven't caught nothing. They come to church and they just sit there. They're attending, but they're not connecting. That's why people can go from church to church like little church bunnies. Heep, hop, hop, hop. Because it's not real to them. The situation's not real to them. Because it's not, it's not going to be taught, it's got to be caught. If you come to the house of God and you come to Oasis Church, the very reason the name exists, because out of my pain, out of the struggles of my upbringing, there was an oasis that God wanted to do, to bring forth healing and fresh water by the Holy Spirit. It's not a name we picked out in a church itinerary. We're going to call it Oasis now because churches need, no, no, no. It's birthed out of something. Why? Joy. If you come around, you're going to get something. You're going to get blessed. You're going to get taken care of. You're going to get joy. You're going to get God. I think that's pretty good. Now, here's the thing, because I believe that joy is found when you know your divine purpose. Acts 20 and 24 says these words, that I may finish the course with joy, the ministry I've received by the Lord Jesus Christ. Do you know that Jesus received joy fulfilling his divine will on this earth? We know that because he said, not my will, God, but yours be done. He received God's blessing by fulfilling the Father's will on this earth. So let me ask you a question this morning, from the young to the older. What is your divine purpose? Because you can be very successful doing some things, but you're not going to have joy until you do God's thing. See, it's no doubt in my life that God's called me to preach the gospel. My daddy, before he went to the Lord at the other location, he would come there and he would, he would come to hear me preach and come to be up to see the kids and the grandkids. And then he'd come hit on all the women that were single there. 
I'd find him like sitting with this lady over here and then she wasn't giving him any time of day. So he'd go sit with that one. Service would start. He'd be over talking to them. And then he'd be all, he was Southern. He'd say, do you want to meet my son? He's the pastor. He has a special anointing. He'll pray for you. I'm like, no, don't tell him that. But he was, a, he, he was, he was saved, not sanctified. I'm just saying. But he would always get to the end of the service and he, he, he would he'd start crying because he was radically saved the night after I got saved. And he would start crying and he'd say, son, only God could put that in you. Only God can cause you to speak like that and talk like that and live like that. He says, I know where we come from. I know what we didn't have. And I know only God can do it. Why? Because he was seeing my purpose fulfilled. It brings me great joy to do this. That's why I hate empty seeds. I hate that you don't catch the heart of the minister, the heart of the evangelist in the scriptures we call it, the heart of the gatherer that starts to get people from all walks of life, all kindred, all tribe, all tongue, to get them so they can know the love of Jesus, to know the call of God, to know the anointing of God. Who wants to play religious church games? Who wants that? I'd rather be a drunk. At least I'd be happy on the weekends. Nobody wants that type of stuff. But my point is, God's put purpose in you. God has put a calling on your life. He's put a destiny over your life. What are you called to do? You can be very successful doing some things, but you're not going to have joy until you do God's thing. Listen to Colossians 1.16. Everything in heaven, young people, listen. Everything in heaven, everything on earth, everything that's visible and invisible finds its purpose in God. You know what that tells me? The selfie generation has no chance. Focusing on yourself will never reveal God's purpose for your life. Let me take a selfie. No bueno. Most of the self-help books say get in touch with your inner self. Focus on your inner self. Now we're all triggered. I can't go anywhere because I'm going to be triggered in my anxiety. Please, you don't have the answer for you. You were made by God and you were made for God and you were made for his pleasure. And when God created you, he broke the mold. When God created you, he said, watch my miracles. He turned to the angels. Your daddy may not have wanted you. Your mama may not have wanted you. But God Almighty created you before the foundation of the earth. He wanted you. He loved you. He's got great plans for you. He's got purpose. So why are you doing what you're doing? Because accomplishments without purpose is a waste of time. Some people are driven by the wrong things. Again, they get filled up by the wrong things. As Johnny comes and we close, some people are driven by guilt, the dark chapter in their life. They don't want anybody to know about it. They wish it would go away. I can tell you how it can go away. Jesus Christ can wipe that chapter clean by his amazing grace. Some people are driven by anger and resentment and bitterness. Some people are driven by the need of approval. They allow the expectations of others to dictate and control their life. I say to you, let those people go. Do you want to be a man pleaser or a God pleaser? You cannot do both. You cannot please this world and please God. You will either offend God and please the world or you will please God and offend the world. But you cannot do both. So why are you doing what you're doing? Some people are driven by fear, fear of the past, fear of the present, fear of the future, fear of living, fear of dying. They just have this fear that permeates their life. Some people are driven by so many wrong things and then they don't realize they've fed and now they're full. 
and the reflective on the wrong stuff. Not reflective on the things you have, the things God gave you, and the purpose that's in you, but they start reflecting on what was taken. And I'm saying to you today, it's time for you to be filled with the right stuff. Because God is not a God that he pleasures in wickedness, nor shall evil dwell among thee. What's the point of that scripture that I read? That's Psalm chapter 5. God has a zero tolerance for sin. Because whenever sin enters, joy goes out the door. And many times people think, well, I can't live right. But if you receive Jesus, he's lived right. And when you receive him, he gives you the power to live right. He gives you the power to say no to the things that are killing you. He gives you the power to say yes to your divine destiny. Because when sin enters, joy leaves. It's so true. We want to kind of feel good without being good. But God's the one that gives joy. If you know Jesus, you get that joy. If you don't know Jesus, you will not have joy. You will not be a joyful, fulfilled person. I do not care how successful you become. It is not possible. Joy that the world cannot give and the world cannot take away. Joy that comes fresh from the throne room of God each and every day. Do you want that? Here's what, how you get it. Righteousness brings it. Righteousness means as it ought to be by God's standard. That means when you receive Jesus, you are in right standing with God. And when you're in right standing with God, God claims you as righteous. And then you're on your way to work that righteousness out, saying no to certain things, saying yes to good things, leaving this stuff alone and, and embracing this stuff. See, that's up to you. God gives you the gift of righteousness. Now, how you walk out that righteousness is dependent upon your choices. Because God says, I'll give you the eternity through my son, but how you're going to live on this earth is going to be up to the decision that you and you alone make. I can't make that decision for you. Your mommy can't make it. Your daddy can't make it. Your husband, your wife, your auntie, your uncle, your brother, or your sister. Only you can make that decision of who you're going to become. Now think about that. Because when wrong choices come in, joy begins to leave. It's what we call sin. Because sin will take you further than you want to go. It'll cost you more than you're willing to pay. And it'll keep you longer than you're willing to stay. When the prodigal son left home in Luke 15, the prodigal left home and he said to his daddy, give me what belongs to me. And the Bible says he went out into the far country, which is not a place, it's a condition of the heart. And he says, I can do it my way. And then the scriptures tell us that that boy who was dad's son, the father's son, he ended up in the pig's pen, fighting over that pig for something to eat, squalling around in the pig pen. What's the problem with that? A Jewish boy is not even supposed to touch a pig. In Deuteronomy 21, he's not even supposed to look at a pig, really. And now he's eating with them, fighting for something to eat. And then there's something that amazing that happens. The prodigal son who left home saying, give me. He came to himself and he said, make me. Make me. He said, how many of my father's servants have bread enough to spare? And I'm a son, and now I'm perishing with hunger with these pigs. See, there was a problem that he had. He was always a son, but he let his condition mess up his position. You see, only God can call you. Nobody can come to the Lord lest the Spirit of God calls them. But you are the one that will mess it up by your condition. Your position as a son or a daughter will never change. 
But if you don't make the right choice, your conditions will fill you up with the wrong stuff. And the scriptures say something amazing. It says he came to himself, which tells me something. That sin is insanity. Because how could he have not come to himself if he had been himself? So if he's not himself, he's beside himself. And if he's beside himself, he's loco. That means he had to step out of his insanity and say, I got to go back home. And the Bible says as he was far off, the father would go out of that house every day wondering where that boy was. How is he? Where is he? Is he even okay? And the Bible says he saw that boy that wasted it all. He saw him a far way off limping up the road in rags. And the scriptures say that father left the porch. He ran to the house, uh, away from the house to where that boy was. He fell on his neck and he covered him with kisses. He said, this was my son who was dead and now he's alive. And the Bible says something amazing. When that happened, the scriptures tell us they began to be merry. There was a joy explosion in the house because that which made the wrong decision turned it around, got back to the father's house and received everything that he had coming to him, which was everlasting joy and life.